right, well, we're going to jump into this message called Go to the Other Side. This is part two. Pastor Brittany, Lisa and I were in Arizona last weekend leading worship at a couple different places. Pastor Brittany got to kick this service off, this series off. How many of you, that was an awesome message. How many of you love that? I know y'all got something out of that. I've listened to it twice since Sunday, and I got something out of it both times. I know she said this, but I'm here to say it again. Uh, a few, uh, maybe a month ago or so, the Lord spoke to me uh, when the band was leading worship, and I, I, he, I wanted to see. He told me that the Holy Spirit told me that there was people in the room that were dealing with like a high level of anxiety and fear. You know, anxiety and fear will face you probably. I don't care who you are, at least a couple times a day in some form or fashion. Right, but there's different levels, and the Holy Spirit was just showing me there was people who were being faced with high levels of fear and anxiety. I said, how many of you out here have been dealing with that? At least 50 people's hands went up. That's a big part of our church, but you know we're not alone. The world is being faced with more chances to get into fear and anxiety than ever before. But you know, we are in this world as believers, but we are not of this world. When the world sees no way out, when the world doesn't see an answer, and that fear and anxiety puts its nasty little talons up into your brain, as a believer, we have a different promise. We don't have to give in to the fear and anxiety. In fact, 365 times in this Bible, you get a command to not be afraid. Not be afraid. The thing about fear, though, is it is a part of our life, but there's a healthy kind of fear. The only fear that should live on the inside of a believer is called fear of God, right? That's a real thing. Fear of God, it's more of an awe or reverence. But let me tell you, when you're spending all of your fear juices on all in reverence for Jesus, there's gonna be no fear juice left for anything in this world. When the disciples were terrified because of the storm, because of the wind, because of the waves, they saw Jesus walking on water. He calms the storm eventually, and then it says the disciples looked at Jesus and were terrified, it says in the King James. Does that mean they were afraid he was about to pull out a sword and cut them down for being afraid? No, 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 no. They experienced his love. They knew that wasn't going to happen. It was a different kind of terror. They realized, oh, you're actually more powerful than this wind and these waves. Oh, you're actually the one in charge of all this. And when they put their fear on the right place, there was no fear left for the wind and the waves. And as a believer, that's what we can do. In fact, it's the only fear that should be anywhere close to the inside of you is fear of God. I say this all the time, Fear and anxiety do not live in you as a believer the way this world fears and the way this world experiences anxiety. It doesn't live in, inside of you. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. In other words, when you start saying this negative confession, and we've probably all said it, my fear, my anxiety, no, 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 it does not belong to you. It does not belong to you. Stop saying that. That's why I'm always very safe. Uh, I, I always say this on purpose very carefully that we are faced with fear and anxiety. It's not coming from the inside of you. On the inside of you, there is power, love, and a sound mind. Now you can let it in and it'll take residence if you allow it to. It'll live in your mind if you allow it to, but you don't have to allow it to. 
because you have authority, because you have the Spirit of God, power, love, and a sound mind. We're going to get into what each one of those things mean during this message, and it might take me two weeks, so this could be this week and next week, or I might get through all of it. But if you've never heard that before, then if that's the only thing you take away from this message, you'll be doing something well. You don't, you don't own any type of fear and anxiety this world tries to throw at you. You own power, love, and a sound mind. And you're like, well, I never bought that. No, you didn't. The blood of Jesus bought that. He paid for it. And he says, here, take this. And when we refuse it, why would we refuse such a good gift? Why would we refuse such a free gift? So many of us want to pay for everything. It's how the world's trained us. You did not drive here this morning for free. You paid for that car, you paid for that gas, and you'll pay for the next tank of gas too. You didn't eat that bread for free. That costed somebody something, right? We get it donated, thank God, but Panera paid for it at some point. That bread wasn't free. Nothing in this world is free. So when Jesus shows up on the scene and he says, well, I got a free gift for you. I'm going to give you my spirit in exchange for yours. Well, how, how, how can you do that? I could never pay for something so expensive. I could never pay for something that has as much value as your spirit. But you don't have to. I already paid for it. In fact, he overpaid for it. The price was blood. And he poured out the most pure blood that's ever walked this earth. He became sin on that cross that we committed. And he knew you before he did it. He knew your past. He knew your present. He knew your future before he did it. And he still chose to do it. You have been bought with a price. Your spirit is 100% just like Jesus's. That's what the Bible says. It's the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Now, in between that and my body, there's this thing called a soul is what the Bible calls it. We can define it as our mind, our will, our emotions. It's this connector. It connects all that awesome stuff Jesus did for us to our body. And when we let fear and anxiety in, it's like a blockade. And all that good stuff, all those promises of God that he's made for us, that we own, that it belongs to us, it's like it just puts a lock and key over it. And that fear and that anxiety says, no. Forget it. Forget being inspired. Forget being creative. Forget, forget operating in all the good stuff Jesus said you could. Forget casting out demons, being healed. Forget hearing the voice of God. No, we're just going to get all that all clogged up with fear and anxiety. That's what the world wants. That's what the enemy wants. Yeah. The Bible says Satan goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He does it through fear and anxiety. You know, the next verse, we're definitely going to talk about this in the next message, whether it's next week or the week after. The verse right after that says, so lay your anxiety down. Do you know why that follows the verse about Satan goes around like a roaring lion? Because he feeds on fear and anxiety. He's looking for a meal when he shows up in front of you, waiting to feed on your fear and anxiety. And he's like a lion. You know what happens when you feed a cat? They keep coming back. Only one person knew that? Come on, more than one person knew that. What happens when you feed a cat? He keeps coming back for more. What happens when you don't feed the cat? They go away. They go look for a meal. 
Submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee from you. He is like a lion. He's not really, he's more like a lion with no teeth, no mane. Like he is a defeated lion. But if you feed him, he will be a defeated lion smelling up your front porch, being all nasty, leaving messes everywhere, and he will eat your lunch and, like Andrew Womack says, pop your bag. He's not going to leave anything for you. But if you don't feed the cat, the cat goes away. Don't feed him. Don't give in. Reject it. You got power. You got love. You got a sound mind. You have to, James 4, 7 says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So here's three things I want to cover today. Resist the fear and anxiety. Confront the fear and anxiety. That's where some people miss it. And once you resist and confront, you will overcome. And you are an overcomer. You're more than a conqueror in Christ. Jesus was led out to the wilderness in the, in the, in, in, you can read it in the gospels. And the devil himself shows up and tempts Jesus in three different ways. And every time the devil uses a twisting and out of context version of God's word, which is still what he's doing today, there are wars being fought over a twisted out of context phrase from the Bible. There are, uh, there are crimes that are committed on a daily basis because of twisted out of context things from the Bible. The devil, that's what he does. He's not going to come at you with a ridiculous lie. No, he's going to twist things just a little bit. It's what he's been doing from the very beginning. He confronted Eve and he said, did God really say, don't eat the apple? And Eve says, well, he said, don't even touch it. That was not the word from God. No, God said, don't eat it. He never said, don't touch it. She says, well, he said, don't touch it. And he's like, oh, that's right. But look, touch it. You won't die. He just twisted a little bit. And he does it because of misunderstanding of what it says in the first place. That's why it's so important to know the word. Because when somebody's standing in front of you saying, this is what it says, you got to be able to say, that is not what it says. That is not what my Jesus meant when he said that. The devil comes to Jesus three times with a twisted version of the word. And each time Jesus resists the lie Let's just take one of these, for example. Turn these stones into bread. You must be hungry. You haven't been eating. You're on a 40-day fast. Turn these stones into bread and eat them. The Bible says it was tempting, but Jesus resisted the temptation, and then he confronted the words from the devil. Man should not live on bread alone, but on every word of God, and he overcame in that moment. Resist, confront, and overcome. Just this past week in Arizona, I'm going to give you an example of this. Uh, we, we can talk more about this if you've never heard something like this before. But 1 Peter 2.24 says, By the stripes of Jesus we were healed. In the Old Testament, Isaiah 53.5 says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was pierced for our shame. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. See, there's a lot of people that ask God for healing. I believe we already have healing. We don't have to ask God for it. He wants us well. What we have to do is step into it. And that's a big shift for some people. But I'm telling you, we've seen breakthrough after breakthrough 
when we have experienced people, they quit asking God for something he's already supplied and they walk into it. It's like we don't sit there and say, Jesus, please save me, please save me, please save me. He's already saved us, right? He's already saved us. What we do is when we were unbelievers, we come into agreement with that salvation he has already supplied for us and then we become saved, we become a new creature. Healing is very similar. It's, it's really, it, it's a part of our salvation. We're not asking him for something to give it to us, no. He says several times in the word, it's a done deal. So we then come into agreement, right? So that's a whole nother teaching we can get into. If, you're, if it sparks your interest, we have podcasts and we have several that we've done and several series about healing. And we can talk a lot more about that uh, in the future. But I wanted to throw that out there because this past week in Arizona, uh, Lisa and I are our worship leaders as well as pastors. And we were leading worship last weekend at a conference in Mesa and at a church uh, as well on Sunday that had two, two services. One was in English, one was in Spanish. So we also got to lead worship in Spanish last week. And our song, Hope Future, we translated it and it works out really well in Spanish. Can't wait for y'all to hear that. Mari Bell, we're going to sing it. It's going to be great. Um, we were there last week and uh, we were flying out to Arizona and, and man, when sickness tries to come against our family, we resist it, right? It doesn't mean we're never, ever, ever sick. I, I gotta tell you, I've spent a few hours sick in the past couple years, but I, I will definitely stand on the word. I've never gone to sleep overnight and woke up the next morning still sick. I'll tell you that much. And um, we were in Arizona and this was the morning before our first session leading worship. And we were the we were the worship leaders brought in for this. We weren't one of many worship leaders. We were the ones doing this music for this conference. And I just felt a little weird thing in the back of my throat. And I'm like, man, what is that? And I started drinking some water and I just felt this little voice. I heard this little lie. You're getting sick. You flew all the way out here and you're not even gonna be able to jump on stage and lead worship. You're gonna let everybody down. And I started making a plan. All right, well, we can adjust some keys. Lisa can lead these songs. At least she's not sick. Maybe I shouldn't sleep in the bed next to her. I should go sleep on this little couch over here. I started making plans in my head immediately, almost instinctively, because I felt a little tickle. And let me tell you, after about 20 minutes of planning to be out of commission, I remembered the word, I remembered my promises, and I resisted. How do I resist a scratchy throat? It wasn't the scratchy throat. It was the fear and the anxiety. That's how the enemy gets into your life. That's how he's able to, to get the stuff to you that is bringing death or that is bringing sickness, that is bringing negativity. It was this, the resisting was the fear, the anxiety. I remember the word that said, You'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on thee. I began to just remember the promises. I was worshiping. Even in my own mind, I was just worshiping. I resisted that fear. And by the first night, boy, I had enough to go. And we sang like crazy and it was awesome. And then we were done and I sat down, voice was gone. And I'm sitting there resisting the fear and the anxiety. And by the next session, it was back. Then it was gone. And I resisted fear and anxiety. And by the next session, it was back. And then it was gone. And there was a couple of you that watched it and said, man, I, I, was your throat scratchy? Were you a little bit hoarse there at the end? And I was like, yeah, at the end of each session, it did get a little bit scratchy. But I'm telling you, I kept resisting and it wasn't just natural. It was spiritual. It was spiritual. And as I was resisting, the voice would come back and we made it through every session. And it was awesome. And it was a bit of a fight. But, you know, Paul said, we'll have a fight. He said, fight the good fight of faith. And I say this all the time, it's only a good fight because you win. Yeah, right. 
you'd never call a fight good if you lose it. I've never lost a fight with Lisa that I thought went well, right? <laughs> the only good ones are the ones where she eventually admits, oh, BJ, you were so right about this. I was so wrong. Everything I said was wrong. Everything you said was right. Will you forgive me? Can I cook you a steak, please? How many times do you think that's happened? has to be, she said, it has to be an audible voice from the Lord. <laughs> Listen, when you've been married for 20 years, and they've been 20 good years of marriage, 20 great years of marriage, you just got to not be concerned about winning a fight. They're not important. Forget being, forget the fights, forget it. Just everybody can be wrong. Just move on and be happy, right? <laughs> Who cares? But I'm telling you, I lived this. And here's the funny thing. I wrote this message, or at least the, the main part of it, on the plane to Arizona. So I'm writing this message about resisting fear, resisting anxiety on the way to Arizona. As soon as we landed, I got to live it, right? And I lived it every day we were there. I think it was Thursday through Monday. I lived it. And then on the flight home Monday night, uh, I was just laughing to myself. Wow, that is funny. I, I wrote this. I lived it. I'm telling you, even what you... This is not a real phrase and it sounds so cheesy, but you'll know what I mean. Even like the mega Christians, the ones who are like, you see them and you're like, oh, they never deal with anything. Every believer has to deal with facing fear and anxiety and has to, has to resist it. This is not just a message for like peasants or whatever. No, no, this is the message. This is true of anyone who calls themselves a believer because this world will throw wind and waves at you any chance it gets. And that's just the world. You forget about the world. You got an enemy out there seeking whom he may devour. Jesus said he comes for a purpose to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come to bring life and life abundantly. If it's been stolen from you, if something has been killed in your life, if something is being destroyed or has been destroyed, you can bet one thing for sure. It wasn't the Lord, it was the enemy. But listen, you have overcome because he overcame. It's time to take that ground back. It's time to go back into the camp and say, I'm done with giving in to this. I'm resisting and now I'm confronting. You cannot overcome what you don't confront. Jesus was a lot of things and we wanna be like him. And we think about the kindness, we think about the love, right? Everything he did was in love, but there's one thing that he never did was that was be non-confrontational. Jesus was confrontational, yet he did it in love. And even when he was turning over tables and throwing stuff around, it was in love. My mom, whose birthday is today, happy birthday, Ama. <laughs> Founder of this church, we're very grateful for her, very grateful for my dad and all the many years they've sown into our church and sown into our lives. My mama said this a few years ago, somebody looked at her and said, uh, well, you know, sometimes uh, it's good to get violent. Jesus turned over tables even. And my mom said, yeah, that was in his own house. That's where he turned over the tables. He didn't walk into somebody else's house and do it. It was his own house. He turned over tables out of his house, in this house, it all belongs to him. He's the creator of the earth. He owns it all. He was never afraid to confront because he knew on the inside of him, he had the power. He had the authority. I mean, I, I love, love, love the story of the demoniac that shows up. And I've heard somebody say that he could have had up to like 6,000 demons inside of him. 
and he's yelling and people avoided this road and this entire island. They avoided it because this guy was violent. He was filled with demons. And when he saw Jesus, you know, Jesus knew he was there, right? You know, Jesus knew where they were going. That wasn't by chance. Jesus pulled up in front of this guy, and he didn't have to say a word because he knew the authority he had on the inside. The guy filled with 6,000 demons took control back for a moment, knelt at the feet of Jesus and worshiped. He called him the son of God before some of the disciples even called him the son of God. 6,000 demons couldn't hold this guy back. And that's at least a few people watching online because a sniffle held you back this morning. I'm just saying. Just saying. I don't like to step on toes that much, but when you're talking about a dude who couldn't get held back by 6,000 demons, he knelt down. He said, you're the son of God. And Jesus said, just get out of this guy. He knew the power that he had on the inside. And then he gave it to you. And when you know the power you got inside, you're not going to be this non-confrontational person anymore. I'm not talking about being cruel. I'm not talking about speaking your mind. I'm talking about speaking the word and I'm talking about resisting the true enemy. Your true enemy is not made of flesh and blood. The Bible says that you don't wrestle with flesh and blood. So the person you're thinking about, I'm done. I'm done just sitting back. Pastor's been talking. I'm gonna be confrontational tomorrow morning. I'm not trying to burst your bubble, but that person's not your enemy. If they're made of flesh and blood, they're not your enemy. Your enemy is powers, principalities, fear, anxiety, the prince of the power of the air, the devil himself, demons, the demonic. That's your true enemy. And when you know who you are, you walk into a room, and even if there's other people in there who are made of flesh and blood, who have come against you, of course, every person's made of flesh and blood, you walk into a room, instead of being the thermometer that just grids the, 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 what the room feels like and jumps right in, and if everybody's tense, you get tense. If everybody's unhappy, you start feeling depressed. If everybody's good, then you're good. No, forget the thermometer. You walk in and you're a thermostat. You walk into a room and you declare the temperature. You walk into the room and things change because of you. A room can be pitch black. The smallest little spark brings light. A little match can bring enough light. You don't shovel the darkness out. You just turn on the light. We spend a lot of time sometimes, wasted time, trying to shovel darkness out. That's not what we're supposed to do. We're the light of the world. We're not going to shovel the darkness out of this world. No. No, as long as we're here and until Jesus comes back, there will be darkness. We can't get it out. We just simply become the light. We are the light. And where there's light, there is no darkness. It can't exist. Here's a little side note, a little nugget, right? So this is like a, if you want to dive into this. At one point in creation, light and dark did exist together. When you read the story of creation, it says that God looked and he separated the light from the darkness. And he called the light day and he called the night dark. That's kind of cool to think about. I don't know what it means. I don't know what it could have looked like. I don't know. All I know is that because of a word from God, light and dark cannot exist at the same time anymore. What does that mean for us? It means that this world has some dark corners and some dark places, but not if that corner is your corner. Light and darkness can't exist together. You are that light. 
You got to resist the fear. You got to resist the anxiety. And you have to remember the power you have on the inside. You have to confront it. You cannot overcome what you don't confront. Here's the definition of confrontation. Confrontation is an element of conflict wherein, pri wherein parties confront one another, directly engaging one another in the course of a dispute between them. All right? So when there's a confrontation, notice it says plural, parties confront one another, directly engaging one another in course of a dispute between them. What does that mean? Why is it important? If fear and anxiety confront you, and what you do is back down, lock yourself away. You don't have a confrontation at that point. You have been overcome. There is no confrontation to speak of when only one party is involved in the confronting. At least put up a fight. At least go down swinging. But the secret is, it's a good fight, which means you're not going to go down swinging. You're going to be the one left standing. So swing. Even if you got to close your eyes and blindly swing, just swing. But remember the Bible does say watch and pray, so you might want to keep those eyes open. You might want to be looking at what's going on, but when fear or anxiety face you, face it back. Stay standing. Turn this overcoming into a confrontation and then stand over the defeated enemy and declare the goodness of God. Because it's his goodness that brought the giant down. And David didn't hide behind a rock. And just, I've said this many times here, David didn't just hide behind a rock and declare that the giant was defeated. I'm all for declarations and we need to be declaring the word of God at all corners. But we don't need to hide behind a rock and just declare that it's defeated. No, face it. David stepped out in front of the giant. He went to the water and he prepared. He picked up five stones. He confronted the giant. And before you knew it, the giant was the one laying down. And David was holding his separated head up in front of the army. He confronted him and he overcame it. Listen, I had to confront this little goofy tickle in my throat this past week. I had to confront it. I, I couldn't just act like it wasn't there. I had a job to do. And it was a long job. We led worship like seven times for seven sessions in three days. It was a lot of singing. It was a lot of worship. It was a lot of moments that we got brought there for. And I had to keep resisting. And that's no different from what a lot of you have gone through this week. You've been faced with fear. You've been faced with anxiety. There's probably been times you've backed down a little bit, but let that be the last time. Let that be the last time that it cripples you. Let that be the last time that you give in at all. Stand in the face of it and declare, you don't have more power than me. You don't, don't, I mean, we're talking about the power we have from the Lord, right? But, 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 but there's a difference in, in, in understanding, oh, God has the power and understanding he gave it to you. So if you want to stand in front of it, if all you got is my God is more powerful than you, that's awesome. Start there. But eventually you need to know what I have is greater than you because of who lives in me. Not because of my own might, not because of my own power, but by your spirit declares the Lord. 
You resist it, you confront it, and what happens? You overcome it. Romans 8, 37, Paul said, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Not just victory, overwhelming victory. Overwhelming victory. Not like, not like last week's Super Bowl, last play of the game, squeak by a win. No, we're talking about like a few years back when the final score was like Chiefs 57, somebody else like 10. Overwhelming victory is yours. Not a little bit. We're talking like in the first quarter, the game is over. Have you ever watched one of those games, sports, uh, basketball, uh, football, first quarter, and you're like, I'm changing the channel. This isn't even competitive. I'm gonna turn this off. That is the kind of victory that you have. Before the game even starts, just looking at the lineup card and it's like, uh, we might not wanna telecast this game. It's going to be brutal. There is one team that has all the power. There is one team, every person in the batting order is stacked and there's another team that's got nothing. That's, that's what this is like. That is the kind of victory you have through Jesus, overwhelming victory. You resist, you confront, you overcome. Stop saying a few things, all right? Get these out of your vocabulary. Get my anxiety out of your vocabulary. It does not belong to you. Unless you're talking about the fear of God, then get this out of your vocabulary, my fear. I love what Brittany said last week. She's like, the world's trying to make anxiety cute. That's what the world does. That's what the enemy does. He tries to get you so familiar with something that you don't even realize it leads to death. I mean, if somebody time warped from 1950, when the, the most indecent thing they saw on television was Mary Tyler Moore laying in a separate bed from Dick Van Dyke, who was portraying her husband, right? They didn't even put them in the same bed in the 50s and 60s. The married couple had two separate beds. Take that person and transwarp them. Transwarp? What a weird word. Uh, <laughs> is that even a word? It's like the Star Trek word for sure. Activate interlock. That's Voltron. <laughs> Remember Voltron? Like three people. Voltron was awesome. You bring somebody from 1950, just give them a TV control. Tell them to turn on the TV and you'll realize how desensitized we are to the enemy's plans. Well, he's trying to do the same thing with anxiety. Brittany talked about this last week. She saw a t-shirt or something that said something like, my anxiety is anxiety We were in a bookstore recently and uh, I love weird drawings. Like I just draw little scribbles and turn them into little things. Like, I don't know. I just, I've always doodled like that. And I saw a book and it kind of looked like that. There was a, a little kid and this weird looking little doodle beside it. And it said, my pet anxiety. And I opened up this kid's book and it was talking about how to care for your anxiety. And I, I'm sure the author had good intentions, right? I'm sure this author is thinking about children who deal with anxiety and they're trying to help them, right? I'm not trying to bash a person here, but the idea that we have a little cute pet called anxiety, the Bible would not say lay it down if we were supposed to keep it as a pet. Jesus would not say be anxious for nothing if we were supposed to just deal with our anxiety. 
And, and I haven't seen this movie yet. Nobody has, but you know, Disney has this movie called Inside Out and each character is an emotion. Well, I just saw a preview during the Super Bowl that the next part of this movie, there's a new emotion in this kid and it's anxiety. And this thing called anxiety now exists in this girl who's become a teenager. And, and I'm not usually one to bash movies because, I mean, the Lord speaks to me through movies and through things like that all the time. And I'm not bashing that movie, but I'm definitely not going to sit there and watch it and start to picture anxiety on the inside of my brain like a cute little character in a Disney movie because it's not. Anxiety comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And over and over again, we are commanded to lay that anxiety down. Because on the inside of you, there's a different spirit. And what is it? Let's say it together. Power, love, and a sound mind. Let's say it together again. What's on the inside of you? Power, love, and a sound mind. And I'm going to get into those next week. I think you have enough today to leave here and, and to remember you got to resist. You got to resist the anxiety. You got to resist the fear. It does not belong to you. It is of this world. And we are in this world, but we are not of this world. We are in a world that says it's completely normal to be crippled by this thing called anxiety. It's completely normal to be shut away because of what we're dealing with. And I'm telling you, I'm speaking from experience. Not just this past week, there's so many new faces. I know our church knows this testimony, but I'll just give you a quick version because I see some new faces. When my dad passed away eight years ago, uh, Lisa and I stepped into the role here as pastors eight years ago when he passed away. And for the next six months, I dealt with severe anxiety. At first, I didn't know that's what it was. I thought maybe I was dealing with an allergy. I I even started trying to think through foods. And I'm telling you, I, I don't get, it's been a long time since I've dealt with sickness, but I started thinking, am I allergic to something? I cut out some gluten. It was probably good for me, but it wasn't gluten, right? I cut out other things in my diet here and there, but I would still get sick every time I would eat. Almost every time we would go somewhere outside of our house, I would get physically sick. And after about six months in December, Lisa, in her very loving way, looked at me and said, I'm very tired of this. Let's call it what it is. It's anxiety. It's time to get over it. That's how she said. That's how she said it. I was not super happy in that moment, but I knew it was the Lord. I knew that was the Holy Spirit on the inside of her. And I'm telling you, once I knew what it was, I started to resist and I started to confront it. And I mean that. And you might laugh at this, but I would sit down at restaurants and I would think about what I was about to order and anxiety would say, well, you know, you're going to get sick. And I would really, in my mind, say, well, then I'm going to get sick, but I'm about to eat and I don't care. I know I'm healed and anxiety has to go. In Jesus' name, I have a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And for about three months, I would eat and still get sick. But after three months of resisting and confronting, that was it. And now it's been almost seven and a half years since I've dealt with that. But it was pretty crippling. It was turning me into a shut-in slowly. I was trying to figure out how to get out of every meeting, how to get out of every Christmas party, how to get out of going to friends' houses. I would just not eat at all during the day and then gorge myself when I got home at night and felt safe. But I resisted. I had to call it what it was and confront it. I had to resist it three times a day if I ate three times a day. An overwhelming victory is what I found three months into that fight. It was a good fight, because guess who's still standing? 
me. And it's not because of me, it's because of Jesus. It's because of the Holy Spirit. I'm not boasting in myself like Paul said, but I'm boasting on the Lord. What he's done for me, he's done for you. What he did for Billy Graham, he did for you. What he did for whoever you can think of. Go, go way back. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What he did for them, he did for you. What he did for the Apostle Paul, he did for you. That's your testimony. Power, love, and a sound mind. Here's one little teaser for next week. The word power in that verse is the word dunamis in the Greek, how it was written. It's a great word. It's where we get the word dynamite. Dynamite. It's where we get the word dynamite. The power on the inside of you is more like dynamite than some kind of like, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. Right? Sometimes, you, you, sometimes the I think I can is good. You have to deal with that. Sometimes that's all you can do. I think I can do it. I think I can do it. Little steps, little steps. But you got to know, that's just like the little, uh, the little uh, what is it? The, the, the string on the end of the dynamite. You light it and it's just, it's going down, right? The fuse. That's just the fuse sometimes. But when you, when you know what you have and you activate that power on the inside of you, it is like dynamite. And the enemy is terrified of it. It's what took him down 2,000 years ago. It's what removed the teeth from his mouth. It's what removed the authority that he had. The band can come on back up. If you don't know this, the Bible says, Paul said, Jesus made an open show of the devil. Did you ever wonder what he did for three days in the grave? You ever wonder what he did for three days in the grave? Paul was writing during a time when the Roman government and the Roman army just took whatever possession they wanted. And when they would go into a kingdom and defeat the army, they would do what they called make an open show of that king. They would march into his throne room. They would take him from his throne. They would remove him of his kingly robes and strip him naked. They would take his crown off of his head. They would tie him up and they would parade him through the streets of his own kingdom as a defeated enemy without any power, without any authority, without anything to cover his flaws and his nakedness. They showed him for what he really was. It was called making an open show. And Paul said, Jesus made an open show of the devil. And that, that guy is who we're letting face us. And we say, come on in. Here's some more fear and some more anxiety for you to feed on. No, no, I'm not feeding him anymore. Because when you don't feed a cat, the cat runs away. There's a cat that lives in the sewer somewhere in our neighborhood. I've never fed that cat once. This cat is an exception because it comes back all the time. I don't know why. He's a smelly cat, uh, but he's kind of cute. And evidently our dog loves this cat. So I guess they're friends. I guess the cat also comes back if you make friends with him. But don't make friends with this cat. He's not a friendly cat. This is a lion seeking. No, this is not a lion. This is someone going around like a lion seeking whom he may devour. Don't give him anything to devour. Resist. How do you resist? Declare the word. How do you resist? Say who you are, not what this anxiety is. How do you resist? Get to know the word. You got to resist with the word. That's what Jesus did in the wilderness. Man doesn't live on bread alone. If you don't know the word like that yet, Google is a powerful tool. I'm facing anxiety about uh, my kid's school next year. Google, Lord. Are there, Lord, Google, are there promises in the Bible about 
you taking care of my kids, about God taking care of my kids. Look them up, read them, declare those promises. Yeah, these are my kids, Lord, but they're your kids before they're my kids. You got to take care of them. Declare your promise, resist, confront the fear. Go to somebody you trust, a spouse, a pastor, somebody you trust. Hey, I'm dealing with something right now. I'm dealing with anxiety about my kid's school year. I'm dealing with anxiety about my job situation. I'm dealing with anxiety about my family. I'm dealing with fear about this. Resist, confront, don't be afraid to confront. David was not afraid of that giant. He resisted the fear and then he confronted him. Who are you to defy the armies of the living God? Who are you to look my way and say, you got anything better than what I have. Do you even have a covenant? I have a covenant. Do you even have a promise from God? I got a promise from God. Do you even have any kind of power besides that sword and that spear? I got dunamis, dynamite power on the inside of me because of the Holy Spirit. Resist, confront, overcome. Resist, confront, and you'll see the victory. Overwhelming victory is yours because of Jesus. Fear and anxiety are not going to hold you back anymore. You got to remember that whatever, whatever is throwing that to you, whatever is causing you to be faced with fear or anxiety, you got a greater power. You got a greater promise. God tells a different story. You see an enemy, a foot, God sees a footstool. That's what the Bible says. I'll make, I'll make my enemies, I'll make your enemies my footstool. You picture him? I think I've seen a movie where the guy like gets down on all fours and the king puts his legs up on him. It starts right here. Get a picture of it. Get a picture of how much power you have and how much little power the devil has, how much power you have and how little power the world has, how much power you have and how little power. Get a picture of it. Get a picture of it and then move on it. Resist, confront. You do both of those things through the word. Resist the fear, confront the fear with the word and watch your victory more than you've ever experienced. Some of you are going to start saying this. I've experienced more victory lately on accident than I ever did on purpose. Well, it's not an accident. It's because you stopped trying to do it on your own. And you started to stand on the word. Amen? It's good, good news. Let's stand together.